2: Visit one-eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in. That's one eight hundred flowers dot com slash tune in.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 60 of the Casual Gamecast, a weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer, brought to you by the team at Casual Game Content. I'm Phil Kyo. I'm Shane And this week we have got a quick ass show for you, because we just don't have time to do anything more than that. So we are going to, one, hit you with what we've been playing this week, then a quick break we are going to hear about our socials and maybe hear a little ad, then two, you are going to hear about what we think was worth talking about in the news this week. Then, my friends, we are getting up on that giddy ant horse and we're, we're just going to ride out into the sunset. That's going to be the end of it, right? And you're going to let us know... Whether the short form is actually better than the long form. It'll be an experiment. Listen to the whole show. Give us your feedback. But as such, we're not going to do the question of the week at the end. We're not going to do what are you watching. We're just going to get in, get out. It's going to be great. So, Shane, on that note, how are you? How's your week been?
1: My week's been grand. It's been fairly standard. I don't have anything exciting to talk about. So, I am not going to hang around here and be like, oh, I did this, I did that, I did the other. No, I've nothing to talk about. It was a standard week. Good luck.
3: Good stuff. Good stuff. I, the only thing I was going to talk about in this section, and I'll try and keep it brief, is I have been super, super excited by a gaming project. And I I reached out to you because you work in the gaming retailer, whose name we shall not speak, because I wanted to price some stuff. But essentially, essentially, I have an arcade machine in my sitting room that is hooked up to an Xbox 360. That for reasons I can't explain quickly, couldn't be upgraded to a newer model. Like a, an Xbox One, an Xbox Series, so on. Um, and it couldn't really be upgraded to anything else because the controllers that were wired into the buttons were essentially the worst possible type. Now, I'm on the internet the other night and this pops into my brain and I go, Oh, I wonder what that company Brook that does all the gaming converters that, you know, people... People who do eSports use their stuff a lot, you know. And I thought, what are these guys doing these days? And lo and behold, this summer, they come up with a game board that you can wire anything to that will play pretty much anything in any console that Microsoft has ever made. So essentially, I can now take my buttons, connect them to these pins, and then all of a sudden, boom, I can put in any Xbox I want, including the Series X and Series S. So I am absolutely elated by this i order two immediately they're coming on monday i'm going to rip everything out i'm going to put it back in i've got a hold of a new monitor that's going to be 120 hertz for this it's going to be it's going to be amazing it's going to be a next-gen arcade machine in the sitting room playing tekken 7 playing mortal kombat 11 playing whatever the hell is coming up playing anything that comes on game pass for the laugh on an arcade machine i am super excited
1: I was going to say, this sounds like a really, really, really fancy way to like emulate Super Mario Brothers. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to play Tekken, you're going to play all that stuff. So, like, it sounds fun and it sounds great for, like, friends over. Let's jump on the arcade machine and, like, you know, play a few rounds of Tekken. Winner stays on or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like super fun.
3: Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see because this type of stuff always has a habit of going wrong at the last second. But... Let's stay positive, alright Shane? Now, with all that being said, you have nothing, I had that. Let's get the hell into what we've been playing this week. So, if you don't mind, play that thing. Alright stranger, what are you playing? So Shane, what have you been playing this very week? I have been playing some Far Cry 6. Ooh, oh, interesting. What do you think of it?
1: Yeah, strap in. I have some thoughts.
3: Okay, hold on. for for the video listeners i am now (laughs) click in
1: this is going to be this is going to be a, a dangerous journey ah no right so my first thought is far cry 6 is a really good game it's just not a very good far cry game
3: is that that almost sounds like it's kind of against what i'm hearing because like everybody is just saying it's another far cry game
1: it is but it is starting to lose some of its far cryness, if you get me. It's starting to lean more into GTA just cause territory.
3: Okay, explain.
1: So like playing the game like I'd normally play a far cry, I'm very much a stealthy boy. That's what I like to do. I like to go in as stealthy as possible until all hell breaks loose and I have to whip out a machine gun and fucking blast everything.
3: Yep, I've always told people you're sneaky.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Stealth is kind of not much of a viable option anymore, I find, so far. Even though I'm kind of specking for stealth with my gear and I've got the bow and arrow and I've, like, you, you know, in Far Cry recently, you can get, like, animal companions to help you and stuff. I have, like, the stealthy companion and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, I seem to, no matter what I do, instantaneously get spotted all the time. And when you instantaneously get spotted, like, you think, oh, I've spotted, maybe if I take out that guy, i will stop searching for me, whatever. Every time I get spotted, it's like getting five stars in GTA. Tanks show up, helicopters descend from the sky. Do start parachuting in like spec ops, lads. And it's like, this is insane. This is absolutely like it's too much when you get caught, you know, or when the alarm goes off or whatever. It's not like, oh, the alarm goes off. Here's a car full of boys with extra guns. It's like, no, here is an Apache helicopter and four tanks.
3: Yeah, because like Far Cry 5 wasn't that. It was like mm. a, another van would roll up with six dudes in it or something.
1: Yeah, and that's grand. You throw a couple of... Throwing knives at them or whatever, you sneak around, you hide a bit and they kind of lose sight of you. This time, even with hiding, they tend to... It seems like they search a lot harder as well. Like, I'll give you you a prime example, okay? And then we can move on from my Far Cry point. I really am enjoying it, by the way, just so the listeners and the watchers at home know. I'm not just crapping all over Far Cry. It is a super fun, like, murder sandbox, you know, go kill everything and have the crack and jump off cliffs and parachute and stuff. It's... I was walking down the street And in the game, an NPC or a main character recommends that when you're on like main roads and stuff, to holster your weapons because the paramilitary force doesn't like to see people with weapons. Okay. Fine. I step out into a main road. I forget to holster my weapon. A jeep drives by with a military dude. One military dude. So it's me, one guy with a gun and one military dude. He steps out of the jeep, goes, hey, you can't have a weapon here or whatever. Put it away or something. I don't really pay attention to him. I don't put away the weapon. All of a sudden, he shoots a flare into the air to call for an attack helicopter as support. It is just me, this dude. He has a gun. I have a gun, and all of a sudden, he's calling for an attack helicopter because I'm one guy with a gun. <laughs> nice. You know, nice. like that's that's extreme. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. And I
1: think they want you to kind of play it extremely as well. They want you to yeah, run around yeah. like a, they want you to run around like a crazy maniac with rocket launchers and jump into tanks and steal helicopters and it's i get all this just cause feeling from it because you know not just cause it's just about blowing everything up all the time yep. it's like it's like a uh, action movie with a hard-on it's ridiculous and um, so <laughs> that's what your
3: flaccid action movie
1: yes exactly that's what far cry is, feel this inter- iteration of far cry feels like to me mm. and i am enjoying it yes but i'm enjoying it for what it is not for a far cry game
3: I cannot think of a single Far Cry game where I even attempted stealth.
1: No, I like to do the stuff I like to go with the bone arrow and Far Cry, and, one. And, uh, far Cry
3: one maybe. Because yeah. there was a lot of like sneaking up on two lads from underneath like a bridge or something and Yeah. You know, there was a bit of that. But like ever since Far Cry two it's been like all guns blazing as far as and I think that's what this series is kinda known for. So I like, I'm not surprised to hear that it's kinda like escalated that a bit, you know.
1: But I in the other games, three and four and five I could always use stealth as a viable option if I so choose.
3: Yeah, if you so choose. I think, but now it kind of... Sorry, go ahead.
1: It, it just kind of seems like it's sort of taken away from me a little bit now. I get it you. seems like it's forcing me to play it the other way.
3: It's strapped know? a rocket launcher on your back, dude. I think you should have expected this.
1: <laughs> True. It also does a really weird thing when you're in, like, your home base. You can upgrade your home base where you get missions and crap like this. Mm-hmm. And every time you step into the home base, the game goes into third person. For no reason whatsoever. Just while you walk around the base and talk to different vendors and get missions <laughs> and everything. It just goes so into third like, person.
3: It's the opposite of Anthem.
1: Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, but I don't see the reason. Is it just to see the outfits your character's wearing? Because Maybe. all your stats are tied to your stupid outfit, which is a ridiculous system.
3: Yeah, that's, that's that. something I wouldn't be happy with in a Far Cry game either. Is having nope. to stop and upgrade all that crap all the time. Like you don't even upgrade skinning... it. It's just
1: you have to switch clothes on the fly if you want. That's like that's what I'm
3: saying. Yeah. That's what I mean is that like you're upgrading your pants by putting on new pants. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and constantly, by the sounds of things. And like it was bad enough when I had to skin twelve badgers to get in wallet or whatever. But now it's like, do you know that that's too much? Um, it probably is for that exact reason. Because like I've often said it that like these first-person shooters that lean so heavily into the loot system um i think destiny is the only good example like yeah i can't think of like most of them you never see the character unless it's like a replay or something yeah you know it's just specifically for other people to see it so then when you're playing a one-player game it's even more stupid you know uh, so that's probably the justification anyway far cry 5 seems like a resounding yeah okay
1: like i said super fun game just not a not super fun as a far cry game but cool. you know if you just go into it going i'm not playing a far cry game well for me i'm not playing a far cry game i'm playing a just cause gta style you know a sandboxy shooter kill everything game griff great, great crack absolute banter
3: that yeah, sounds like it'll be up my alley so because that's exactly how i play those games. <laughs> yeah maybe maybe it's where to go um awesome i might try it out i if we were to talk about what I played this week, I haven't played anything new at all. I've played more Tales of Arise and my heart is still belonging to that game. It is wonderful. The mechanics have just been laying on more and more and I've not been rubbed the wrong way by a single one of them. It's been glorious. I can't. I get so addicted to the fighting mechanics. Like yeah. It's such a good... Brawler. like you know in in the turn based like, like for lack of turn based fighting it's now a hack and slash or whatever but you have many people and there's so many different kinds of combos like you have your combos and then there's your other people's combos but then if you both fight in specific ways you can do different combos and there's like five different kinds of those and they all have variations and there's like there's so much juggling going on that you're never not pressing a button for like a split second so like you're just it's it's pure adrenaline and it's it's fantastic and then you layer on what i love about rpgs which is like a massive story sweeping worlds all this stuff it's really got its hooks in me um but tales of rise as i talked about last week is great um other thing i play more of is back for blood played that with um cgc alumni james dismond uh last night and it was the same couple of levels i played (laughs) every time i play this game because you can't jump into another session midway like when you join a game you have to start from the beginning unless you have the same people that you left off on you have to start from the beginning and i've done that first couple of levels multiple times now and it's good it's it's fun if you have people with you i could never imagine playing that game by myself um but it's interesting because like i will give it this is from what I understand, as I said, I've played the same couple of levels multiple times, not to repeat myself. But the reason I'm saying that is the card system that they've introduced. Yeah, did mean that every single time it did feel different. Yes, you know, so that's replay value right there. Like I was forced into witnessing the replay value essentially, but it does have it. Like those yeah. cards that you know, you're getting these debuffs at the start of every round. And they can completely change the scenario, you know. And it's it's very interesting in that way. So I think people who like it are gonna love it, and I think people who just wanted more Left for Dead might be, you know, a bit so-so on it because of this card system. But I think honestly, overall, it has made it a better game. Yeah. Um, How does the, actual the... Game behind it is better though? Is the big question.
1: How does the like you say you've replayed the first couple of levels a lot? Is it like. A party votes for a level, or you just you have to literally start at the start at the first level. It's a campaign. It's a, oh, the campaign, or the campaign. Ah, yes, yeah. Yes, you I start agree.
3: from the beginning and you work your way up. Right, right.
1: Apologies. I just assumed would it would have be been a multiplayer like Horde shooter that it was just ah oh, pick a map and away you go.
3: There might be a way of doing that, or maybe in the future they'll do that. If it, if there isn't, but uh, any way I've played it so far has just been you start at level one and you work your way up to level whatever.
1: Right, right. Yeah, oh, that that yeah that escaped me. I didn't really understand that, but now I know better.
3: Yeah, but that's where the carrot system comes in, because if you're playing level one ten times, each time something will be different about
1: it. Yeah, I get you. I understand the carrot system. I just... I assumed it was just a map-based shooter rather than a campaign Yeah, yeah, thing.
3: yeah. Like a Call of Duty Zombies or something. Yeah,
1: something like that. Pick yeah, your yeah. pick your keynote or Totten or whatever the hell it was called and away you go.
3: Yes. Ah, good times. Um, And then the only thing that I have been playing this week that... I, because of the arcade machine stuff that's happening when those parts come in this week, I wanted to just fire up the old arcade machine again and just see what was on it again and just remember what's there so that I can bring it over hopefully into the new one. And I've been playing a lot of Super Meat Boy ah, yes. on the arcade machine again. That game, is, it just slaps. It's so good. It's a, shut up. <laughs> the
1: CGC dog of barking,
3: <laughs> the CGC official dog of barking. Dear god, like I thought when I got that dog a couple of months ago when it was a pup, that I was like, oh, this won't last forever, every day, anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Super Meat Boy, especially on an arcade machine, I think like it's funny, the game is it's teamed around. It's like it's, I don't know how, how much of it you remember, but it gets, I played, it's like I uh, played a lot
1: of Super Meat Boy, not that long ago actually oh really yeah maybe like a year year and a half ago it was like i'm possibly on playstation plus or it was free on something or other so i played a bit of it just because i never played it originally and i was like ah super meat boy now i can jump in and see what this is all about
3: yeah 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 it's it's so good for when it came out and it's such a pity that they just didn't make a straight sequel yeah um but like it's so tight the music slaps and like I have that like you know subwoofer in the arcade machine as well so it's like it's thumping like it's it's so it feels so good it's like two buttons for the most part so like it just plays really well with like an arcade stick or whatever and then the whole thing is like a love letter to video games so like you know there's some levels that are bonus levels that are themed like a Game Boy and then there's some that are themed like a Mega Drive and you're unlocking other characters from other games and you adopt their you know, uh, mechanics when you do so, but in a lot of situations it is, like, it is kind of skinned as if it is an arcade machine game, even though it never was, to my own knowledge. Um, So, like, playing it then, in that form factor, it's kind of like, it makes you feel like it should have always been like this, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think I'm going to lose a lot of the following year anytime I want to, like, stand up, play a video (laughs) game, have a beer. Kicking the absolute crap out of the side of my arcade machine because i'm just going ah every time i die
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well i'm running a few levels of meat boy when you're having a beer or something does sound like a bit of fun and it's a good way to slowly chip away at that game until eventually you get near the end because that's not a game you can play a lot of in one sitting because of the frustration level
3: no no if you if you especially when you get later on into the game if you can beat like two or three levels like they're kind of good for the night you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But that, I think, unless you have anything else, is what oh, we've been playing. That's been me. Okay. Well, guys, that has been a spelt 17 minutes. Let's <laughs> move the hell on into the break. Then we're going to come back and tell you what has happened in the news this week that we personally care about. But with all that being said, play that thing.
0: Plato's Closet in Gainesville is buying fall styles, and we need your vibe. You can sell all the fall extras you've accumulated. You have amazing taste and more fall styles than you know what to do with. Get cash on the spot when you sell your boots, coats, denim, scarves, and other fall pieces to Plato's Closet. We buy trendy, gently used clothing, shoes, accessories, and more for guys and girls. Sell your fall styles to Plato's Closet today. Plato's Closet Gainesville on Dawsonville Highway and 13 other locations in the Atlanta area. Visit Plato's Closet Atlanta.com.
1: I love your vacation home. How much
4: time do you spend here? As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home.
5: Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com.
3: Hey there! If you want to keep up with all things casual game content, you can do so in a number of ways. The easiest way to do so is to follow us on all of our socials, at CasualGameCo. Not content, because you only get 15 characters, but hey, what can you do? At CasualGameCo. That's at C-A-S-U-A-L-G-A-M-E-C-O. Can't be any simpler than that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And when you're at Facebook, look for the group, the Casual Game Community. It's a good bunch. We're going to love you. Come on by. If you could do us a massive favour, like the podcast, review the podcast, and just tell a friend about the podcast, it goes a long way. And you can find all of our content on podcast forms, wherever you get your podcasts, by searching for Casual Game Cast. Thanks again for all of your help and all of your support. It means the absolute world to us. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Now, Shane, as we said, we are going to have a quick cast this week. So we're not going to delve too deeply into anything, even though we don't generally anyway. If we're, if you're new to the podcast, we don't exactly like, you know, take out the Sunday paper and read every article to you. That's not how we do things around here, damn it. What we do is we have a look. We see what happened in the news week. We keep track of it as it happens. And then we bring whatever we feel was worth talking about to this podcast because if you want the full in-depth newscast of course you can get that a 100 places but this is just what we wanted to talk about so god damn it we're going to talk about it so shane what has been happening this week dude
1: some stuff some things um i'm going to start with one that leaves me with some mixed emotions okay elden ring has been delayed who
3: couldn't have seen that going? <laughs> I know,
1: right? Now, <laughs> it's only a month. So, you know. Um,
3: so that puts it in what? February?
1: February. February is already stacked with games so something something's going to give because there's like five huge releases in February but anyway
3: how many how many games in February do you think now are kind of turning around going oh crap there's a new Dark Souls out in our window I know now. right
1: I know I know it's it's nuts like, but yeah that's, I have mixed emotions because game delays are always good normally mm-hmm. because it gives them that time to put that extra polish on things mm-hmm. but I have to wait an extra month for it, right? And I was really looking forward to that, like, post-Christmas, you know, January blues, having a nice FromSoft game to get stuck into in those awful chilly January nights.
3: Yeah, yeah, as lovely as that image is. Yeah. Um, Especially because it would have came out, like, the week of our birthdays. Yeah, yeah,
1: it would have been a nice birthday present. Now it's coming Mm -hmm. out around my anniversary with the missus, so that might not go down so well. I'm like, oh, sorry, got to play Elden ring. Sorry, it's, Fair. it's I mean, out of my head. I mean, you like, know what I you know, were getting know, into. We're you're planning
3: a wedding, but you know,
1: <laughs> you knew what you were getting for in for when you when you got with me like this, like you know, from soft comes first. I'm sorry, <laughs>
3: <laughs> my first way. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that that that's uh, that's one you're going to have to uh, deal with on your own, my friend. I don't have any advice for you there. But yeah, and uh, did they say why? Or
1: it's just it's just to put some like you know a, a final spit chain on things, and they plan to have like a closed or. You know, an invitation only beta for like a network network stress test in November, mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: which I might sign up for, but I haven't really in the past. I kind of like to experience the game as a whole yes. when it comes to FromSoft stuff. I'm not big on entering their betas and playing a level or two because it just it gets me too excited then as well. And I'm like, oh, I have to wait more for this now. So I just I just leave it alone.
3: <laughs> and then you have to do it all over again. Exactly. Well, I find the most annoying. Yes. Um, yeah, big, big no for me whenever it comes to like betas and like even demos for the most part and i'm just like not yeah like if, if one's coming out and i'm interested the first thing i will always do is type into google will my progress carry and if the <laughs> answer is no no bueno, not happening yeah i'm not going to play the lesser version of it to then play the better version of it again like nah, fuck that Um. but yeah that is both good and bad so hopefully we get a better game as a result um that kind of ties in I guess to some CD Project Red news. It does. Where apparently apparently the next gen versions of both The Witcher and even Cyberpunk are getting pushed out also into 2022.
1: Yeah, they are indeed. Um I'm not 100% sure why I seen the kind of headline and because seen,
3: they're because they're running around their offices like Muppets with their hands in the air going ah well that, like, that, every, that for, for last that too, year yeah
1: that too, <laughs> um, but like there's obviously an official reason. I just haven't read too much into this. I seen the headline and I was like i was actually kind of like i'm holding out on a replay of the witcher for the next gen version me
3: too me too you know and i was kind of hoping the last dlc anyway
1: i was kind of hoping maybe we might get it around the time of you know witcher on netflix or you know in around christmas time maybe when i wasn't playing anything and i could go "Ah, i'll jump back into witcher and you know see it with all its fanciness so That's it's w- true. It, I, like you're gonna
3: miss out on a lot of money for not releasing around Christmas when you know that next season comes out.
1: Exactly. I don't even really care about Cyberpunk, it's Witcher that I that this that I care about in this new story. Like Cyberpunk is whatever, like I will play it at some stage over more morbid curiosity, but like I don't care if I play that game five years from now, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're better off. Like I've looked at you know, I've played it on Xbox Series X and a little bit on sorry, mostly on Xbox One X and a little bit on Series X and it it does look pretty good the issue is though when you look at like pc footage of it running on like a beefy pc it's like it's like two two cd projects credit like it is unbelievable looking like yeah. it's so good looking but when you put that on a console it becomes grimy and it becomes unpleasant to look at at the best of times yeah um if you're not into the cyberpunk aesthetic you're not going to find a lot to like here um but in the pc version it's just dripping with like amazing lighting and you know it's just ah, that's just so good it's hard to uh, describe so like if these next gen ports deliver like even half of that then that's something to look forward to i like i would even sacrifice my frame rate down to 30 for that because it looks so good you know Um, but yeah we'll see Uh, it is a pity and they're going to miss out on a lot of money because a lot of people are going to have next gen consoles this Christmas Mm -hmm. and that's two games right there that people would have bought Um, you know number one that Witcher season 2 is coming out people bought the hell out of Witcher 3 when that first season came out so this is another round of buys that they're going to miss out on likely Um, and then Cyberpunk as I said people want to play it on the new shiny thing
1: Exactly. Can you imagine how many people walk into a game store, which is staffed by a lot of people who like to play games, and they go, what can you recommend me for my new PS5? And I'm like, well, did you ever play a Witcher game? They're like, no, I've never played a Witcher game. What's that? Buy Witcher. Buy it now. Play it. And buy it and play it and never play anything else for the rest of your life. And you just shove it down people's throats because I do that a lot with ps4 <laughs> people when they buy a ps4 I'm like what should i play play with your just play with your play yeah it yeah
3: and especially like you know obviously there's a lot of work goes into these things and your timeline is what your timeline is and it just it's unfortunate but it's true and you have to push it rather than putting out something bad i get it but like if it was around christmas season i if i worked in video game retail i would 100 whenever somebody says like i've just bought a ps5 and an xbox what should i do um i'd be like do you like open world experiences yes do you like dripping stories and like you know visuals or whatever it's like yeah as much as i don't like their company cd project have two fantastic choices for you here my friend you know like that would have been awesome anyway look it is what it is uh but meh cd project what are you gonna do uh speaking of game developers though the coolest news story i talked that came out of this week past is Idos Montreal yes have you heard about their new work practices
1: I may be slightly familiar with their new work practices and it might be <laughs> a work practice that a lot of the world is looking for at the moment
3: yeah it's actually hotly being asked for like I remember the, the ideas we should explain Um Eidos Montreal uh, the crowd who are currently working on the Guardians of the Galaxy game that's coming out this week next week something like that um, they have implemented and are probably one of the first if not the first game development studio to implement a four day work week yep. so no longer is five day the standard over there four day is the standard and to top all that they're not asking their employees to add an extra two hours to their working day in order to make up that that, that lost day instead they're like saying no you had 40 hours you now have 32 hours to work but we are going to prioritize those hours and they, you know, not to get too much into the weeds here, but there was an awful lot in their statement that saying, we're just going to get the best out of those hours. We're going to cut down on meetings. We're going to cut that, you know, all like I work as an, I I have an office job, you know, Mm -hmm. this, this gaming room has been my office for two years, but like, (laughs) but like I work an office job and especially since COVID so many meetings, so many, many meetings and when I can just block them out, I can just get so much done. Like I can get my workday done by like lunchtime if I never had to sit in a meeting, you know? Yeah. Um and this is where this thinking is coming from, is that like, look, the way we work is it's gonna be different from office to office, but the way we work today is just so antiquated that like how about we actually prioritize getting this stuff done rather than, you know, spending two hours with thirty people on a call Trying to figure out the nitty gritty of something that honestly never needed to be talked about in the first place, yeah. Um, so like this is where they're finding these opportunities to really ring out that last day and just take it out of the picture altogether. Um, I'm super impressed that they took that stance and that the higher ups, like the, the stakeholders or whoever, yeah, said, Yeah, no worries. Like, you know, like there must have been like a hard pitch to make that acceptable,
1: yeah, especially in the times of like we hear so much about crunch and working down to the wire to get games made and
3: everything like just to just to clarify they haven't said that crunch is not going to happen
1: of course of course this is
3: just a standard work week so when they're not like a month away from game release like this is like the standard there was specifically no mention of crunch i was sure to read through and to see was that in there but you would hope you
1: would yeah of course of course We'll see, we'll keep an eye on it, and if they, if we hear about crunch and stuff, we'll we'll probably tell you about it, because nobody likes crunch, but that's awesome for IDOS. go Eidos. Uh we hope, hopefully more companies follow suit, because the four day work week would be, even though it won't benefit me in any way, because I work in retail, but I would love for people to have a four day work week that can get it, you know?
3: Yes, yes, I hope that this is a good example, because like, I would kill for a four day work week, it'd be amazing. Um... But here's the other thing as well. Montreal has an awful lot of game development studios. Mm-hmm. Like this is going to make them very attractive to any you know talent that's in that area. Yeah. You know, like that'll be a very easy sell for me if somebody wanted to headhunt me from like one place to the place across the road. You know, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that is that. Go Idos Montreal. Anything else for
1: you? Um, just a couple of things. We got some video game movie trailers this week and kind of yeah this week and well today actually and as of recording and last week ish for the other one so there's two we finally got a trailer for the Tom Holland Mark Wahlberg Uncharted movie whatever the hell it's called um Uncharted I think it's just called I don't think there's any Uncharted colon whatever
3: um the Uncharted colon
1: (laughs) Ooh, that gives me
3: there's the there's the show name right there
1: there's the show that's the inevitable porn parody
3: writing um, it down
1: <laughs> take that to the bank and um, yeah we got a, <laughs> we got a trailer for it uh, it features one of the kind of big iconic action set pieces from uncharted 3 i believe
3: yes the the big air carrier thing
1: yes that's three mm-hmm. two is the mm-hmm. train right and then three yep. is that yeah so it features the big action set piece of the, like the ac 30 you know yep. uh, cargo plane thingy Um, it looked super cool stylish it looks an awful lot like a mix of four and three in a movie even though it's like a young nathan drake like there's whole yeah. parts of it where it's kind of low i'm looking at it going that looks like it's from four that looks like it's from three Oh, look, that bit there is definitely from four, (laughs) you know,
3: it's weird, isn't it? Like I got the same vibes. They like specifically when uh, there's, there's parts where you can see that, you know, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake is at a kind of like a gala party in a tuxedo and, you know, Marky Mark is there as Sully and he, they're like talking to each other over earpieces and specifically the joke where Tom Holland is talking to him and he has his finger in his ear like a, like a Secret Service agent or whatever and like Marky Mark's giving out to him saying, you look dumb or whatever, like you're going to blow our cover. That whole scene and the whole reason that they're there and what they're doing, that entire thing, even the joke, is in yeah. Uncharted 4. Um, and then, as you said, the helicarrier thing is... Or the AC-130, the, the big plane yes. thing, is uh, straight out of tree, Like, scene for scene, it seems. Um, there was bits and bobs I pulled out of there from two. He mentions his brother Sam twice mm-hmm. in the trailer. Yeah. So, you know, that's a four thing. Um, yeah, they're, they're really... They're running the gamut. Like, they, like, this is an origin story one. And this is why he's so young. And this is why Marky Mark... This is like the origin of his moustache, I'm sure. You know? Like, <laughs> it's, at all, it's going to be. It's, it'll be like... Do you remember the Sonic movie where Robotnik didn't become Robotnik until the end? hmm Guarantee you. Guarantee you Marky Mark will have a moustache on the last scene. It'll be all like, comes. what do you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? He'll
1: turn with a big um,
3: cigar and a moustache and be like, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. You'd be in a floral shirt. It'll be amazing. Um, But... Yeah, like it's, it does seem like they're blowing their like story load here in this origin story, which is a bit surprising. But what maybe I, that'll make for a better movie. I don't know. What I wonder is,
1: is this, a, right? This is an origin story for Drake or whatever. But I wonder, is it okay in the first movie, let's give the gamer fans some of the fan service stuff to get them in. And then, like, if we ever do a second movie or whatever, we can just continue on and start making uncharted stories. I mean, like what's not to stop them making like 20 of these movies obviously you know money is another thing but like story wise you just go oh he has a new adventure and a new treasure to find much like Tomb Raider or whatever you know
3: like I'm wondering okay so if it was me uh, laying this out I'll make this really quick like I my thoughts on it were after watching that going wow they're really putting it all into this one movie which can be problematic because does that mean they're going to try and bring in a lot of characters and a lot of exposition in one movie where like you know nothing will get enough time you know mm-hmm. um but what i would have done for the sake of fan service and keeping people interested that know the games is like you don't have an awful lot that you can call on in uncharted 1 that people really care about like it, it is the one people say you can skip Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's there's origins of Nathan, and there's like that, and like you know, there's there's bits in there, but like really, two is where stuff started getting memorable. So I would roll all the references of one and two into that first movie, and that'll be my loose story approximation. And then what happened in three could be the next movie, and then what happens in four. Like, rough approximations. Yeah. if you wanted to do this call-out, it's not not the story wholesale, but if if there's set pieces you want to recreate or whatever, like, space it out so you can get a trilogy out of the four stories. But because they're throwing everything into this one, I worry, first of all, that it's going to be rushed in that way. But then I'm positive on it because maybe this means that they're not planning a trilogy. Maybe this means that this is, like, a one-and-done. Maybe it's taken so long to make that they just went to hell with it like let's just make it the best damn uncharted movie we can and just you know get out yeah maybe that's yeah Like, have they been signed on for more than one i'm unaware
1: not that i'm aware of but the pessimist in me goes get a young actor to play nathan and get a a young actor compared to sully to play sully so they can get a couple of movies
3: out of them yeah but what like i just don't have faith in hollywood being able to make like an original Nathan drake story that will be compelling and i don't have faith in the gamer community to accept them
1: no no this is true this is true do you know Uh, yeah speaking of video game movies that are not all that compelling okay we got a trailer for the new resident evil movie the soft reboot kind of resident evil welcome to raccoon City.
3: Yes, this is the one we talked about before where the uh, actors were getting a lot of flack because one was Asian and they just weren't the exact carbon copies of the people that were in the video games.
1: Yes. Okay. So this is about to get a lot of flack from me because it looks like a heaping trash pile that's on fire.
3: <laughs> so the, the the pictures we were seeing before that looked like kind of bad, let's say, phone camera photos, um, yeah. they were probably more indicative than we thought.
1: Yes, so like to me I watched this trailer and I went nothing has changed we are still in the Mila Nolievich Wes whatever that guy's name was who directed them His her, her husband who directed all the Resident Evil movies and stuff like yeah, it's, um, it,
3: what's his name Bol is
1: it yeah but every I can't remember but anyway it still feels like we're in those Resident Evil movies nothing feels any different it feels like it looks like parts of it look like oh they're going for the whole you know the police station Resident Evil 2 kind of thing and then, like, the minute a zombie shows up, it's like, yeah, shotguns, flamethrowers, explosions, fucking backflips off the walls. And you're like, what?
3: <laughs> oh, no. Is there that kind of stuff?
1: D- yeah, there's like some the, of that kind the, of stuff. The, the depending
3: of reality of, like, Matrix level type stuff. A
1: little bit. Not, not oh, as no. bad as the other ones. I'm just, as in terms of, like, you know, a movie that was always a survival horror kind of with action elements, it is an action movie. It is just an action movie with zombies and the CGI in the trailer looked like they paid someone on that Fiverr website a tenner to do it. Fiverr.com, you know, freelance, whatever.
3: That is, that's a great comparison in 2021. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even want to watch it now because I haven't seen that one. Um, Yeah, no, I did did, did not walk away.
1: happy boy. I just looked at it and went, well, there's a movie I'm not going to see.
3: But it's on Netflix, isn't
1: it? I'm still probably not going to watch it.
3: Is it a Netflix thing?
1: I think so. I'm not I can't 100% remember because the trailer left such a bad taste in my mouth. I don't think I even bothered to check who was making it.
3: I can't remember. I thought it was, but it's been so long since it was announced, that maybe I'm wrong. But like if it is on Netflix or a streaming service I have, I'll check it out. Like if it's crap, I'll turn it off. Mm. But like I'll check it out, but you know, it's it is. It's it's disappointing. Like the whole thing about Resident Evil People get so hung up on the gore and on the the freaky monsters and stuff. When I think about Resident Evil, the reason I like Resident Evil is it has so little to do with the zombies. Yeah. You know, it's the weird characters and the weird bonkers plot lines and... Do you know, like Leon, as a as just as a character, his development over the years has just been bizarre. And like, I'm here for it. Do you know what I mean? And it seems like every time they make something that's not a video game, they just lean into the oh, we must make sure and cram Nemesis in here. And like, you know, we'll we'll like, like they just they just have such a hard on for all of the special effects angles of things. Yeah, and like, how can we like? Remember the Matrix was cool How can we like Integrate that in here somehow And have all like Mila Jolovic Doing her like Roundhouse kicks and stuff Like All of that Is just the opposite Of why I come to Resident Evil You know Exactly Um, Give me some characters Give me some tension Yeah You know like That's what I'm after Yeah And that's cheap That's easy to make
1: Yeah (laughs) That's the, you see, this? That, that's, I don't know. I'm not going to ramble on about it anymore. It just, it looked no. crap. It looked crap. It is more of what we're used to with Resident Evil. And I wanted something different this time.
3: I think everybody did, but that's okay. One thing that people don't want something different from, and they've just been wanting it back, is Splinter Cell. This and, guy right here. <laughs> that guy right there. And by golly, it seems as if we may be getting one. We may be, we may be.
1: There's a report floating about um, Mm -hmm. that the report's from Video Game Chronicle, which is reputable enough. um, They've been
3: doing pretty good work over the last year or two, yeah?
1: Yeah, they claim that multiple development sources have revealed that a new Splinter Cell game is in the early phase of production.
3: Which I'm sure is not going to be what you want it to be. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure. (laughs) But like every time we've heard that like you know Sam Fisher turning on his goggles noise yeah uh, over the past five to ten years it's been like he is now a downloadable character in a mobile game he is now yeah. in Ghost Recon he is you know so like they don't give a crap about that franchise I don't think oh and god no like I think the only reason... Because you've seen recently... I I can't remember what the name of the game is... Because it's so forgettable... But what's the free-to-play Battle Royale game... That Ubisoft uh, announced recently? It was like in the last week or two? It's the most... Iterative... Bullcrap... Like... throwaway video game I've ever seen in my life. I've never been so unimpressed with a video game in my life. And... Um, It'll come to me, yeah. but it's essentially trying to be the Ubisoft answer to Warzone and or Fortnite
1: mm-hmm.
3: in all the worst ways. Um, I feel, and it's it's Tom Clancy based, so they're using that name to bring people in, uh, which is a shame. Like let that poor man rest in his grave. Not, just <laughs> stop sullying his name. Like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like Splinter Cell is like one of the few modern shooter... I know it's not... I know it's a stealth game, but, like, it has that, like, tactical, you know, hint to it that still carries a bit of weight because... Tactical tactical espionage action, you might say. Tactical espionage action. Yes, we should climb that, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's... Yeah, I totally just came up with that all by myself.
3: (laughs) Yep, yep. CGC, lock it in. Um, But, yeah, like, I really hope for your sake... Yeah. And ran for mine. I played. I played through all of the Game Cube's cells and PS2 ones. I mean, recently, so like, like three years ago, recently. Yeah. But like, <coughs> excuse me. The um, like I do have a reverence for them. I don't really like the later ones as much, but the early ones are really, really good. And I really want them to. Co- I haven't played that last one. What's it called? Blackgate or no Blacklist? Black. Is
1: it? Yeah, Blacklist, Blacklist Splinter Cell Blacklist. Yeah,
3: that's the last one that came out. on
1: That's the last one on Three Sixty. Yeah, I played it. Okay, um, it's it is okay. It's not the best Splinter Cell game. I heard like, it
3: was really good.
1: It is story wise. It's a bit like you know. It's very sure. Tom Tom Clancy E. You know, you can you can tell yourself straight when it's called Blacklist. You know, it's
3: like oh uh, come here. Like, have you played the original Tree recently? Like the story is just naff. Like you're never there for the story.
1: But the thing I will say in defence of Blacklist is it is the like most fluid and fastest moving splinter cell game like That's you can what i've heard you yes. can enter a room and like stealth kill five dudes before they barely even know you're in there mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's like the metal gear solid five of splinter cell from what i understand in terms of like fluid movement and stuff. So yes
1: exactly yeah. and it was one of the first games i think stealth games that i played or i can remember playing where when you were in cover and a person was the other side of the cover. You could grab them, pull them over, and, like, stealth knife them. A lot of stealth games, you had to, like, go around the wall and stab them in the back or whatever. And I just, at the time, was, like, (laughs) 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 mind-blowing. Yeah, and I I like it for that. It it sticks out in my memory for how fluid it was, which I really like in a stealth game, too. Because it's fun a fun challenge to try be stealthy without all this, like, you know, waiting around the corner kind of tracking enemy movements waiting for five minutes and blah 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 blah. but been able to run in and pop out like three or four dudes and then continue on with your life great love it
3: what will you do if it comes out and it's like a free to play game
1: oh i just won't bother with it like unless it's a like you know stealth action big single player experience thing with some they can tack on multiplayer if they want because the whole whatchamacallit they used to be really fun what was it As, yeah, yeah, assassins the, um, versus mercs or something like that yeah 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 that was super fun and i did enjoy playing that it was good crack but like
3: i always thought that should be a free-to-play thing like that mechanic like that's taking the best things about like online shooter games yeah and do you know the craze like where you have like a monster and four people like um dead by day dead by daylight yeah and, yeah the uh, whole four versus one and all kinda, that. yeah yeah yeah, that that whole thing um, like that's what the mercs kind of are in that they're like they're like your jasons or whatever because they're like heavily armed or whatever but mm-hmm. like you can be sneaky and use tactics if you're the other guys like i always thought that's like the perfect merge to make one of these now popular games where you have like one disadvantaged crowd with more people and one heavily powered guy Do you know yeah. like splinter cell people with very little you know um, things at their advantage or whatever and just one dude the heavily armoured milling people around I'd love to play it but yeah um if that happens that's how I would want it to happen but I hope for the love of god this is just a single player stealth game fingers crossed fingers crossed fingers crossed um, I think that's all we cared about this week Shane
1: That's pretty much all I care about this week, yeah We'll end on a high, the high of Tom Clancy and Splinter Cell and Sam Fisher
3: (laughs) And welcome Tom Clancy And join me everyone as we put down our night vision goggles And we say goodnight to this very podcast Because as we said, this is going to be a quick one So I do want to take this opportunity to thank you If you have been watching, if you have been listening to this part of the podcast That means you got here to the end And I thank you for it. Thank you for all of your support. If you haven't been here before, welcome. You did stumble across the most casual and this week, quick podcast on the interwebs. And if you have been here before, thank you again for all of your support. Now, if you want to help us out, do a couple of things. Really, really, really appreciate it. If you do like the podcast, share the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast if you can on Apple podcasts or on podcast addict, if you're on Android that really 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 helps and if you want to do one thing just one thing that is the ultimate help you can tell a friend tell anyone that might enjoy this type of content about it and i'm going to take inspiration from blind boy in he has been saying something recently that rings true don't just tell a friend about our podcast if you are listening to any podcast that's clearly grassroots like ours and not being run by a corporation, tell your friends about that as well. Let's support small podcasts. You know, let's let's help each other. You know, but if you could tell one person about a podcast, get out there and tell Sam Fisher about the podcast. Let him stealth around listening to our podcast, much like I used to do in Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> Enough said. Anyway, guys, this has been episode sixty. Thanks again for joining us. I've been Phil. I've been Shane. And we are Audi. Take care, be safe. Most of all, though, stay casual. Bye.
1: The holidays are coming. The holidays are coming. It's all good. The Georgia Hemp Company with locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs has a full line of your favorite CBD and hemp products to keep you cool and calm. Like lotions, oils, and beverages. They also have a full line of CBD for your pets. The Georgia Hemp Company offers full consultations, samples, and Georgia's finest CBD. Visit their three Atlanta locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs. Or check out thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Georgia's finest CBD. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here?
4: As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home.
5: Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com.
1: Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play
4: Store.
2: good. Weapons are good. Power is good. Let's uh, do this.
5: What are you doing?
2: You, uh, you've always said how much you hate this planet, so I decided to get us out of here. These engines
5: are thousands of years old, and I haven't even had a chance to take a look at them.
2: Well, it's good. Like they work just fine.
5: Yeah, engines four through seven are failing.
2: Oh, well, then I'll just jump us into social space, then. No, no, no! Oh, right. I am supposed to check the gate. We do not plunge headlong into folly on the orders
0: of a single
2: man-man. Um, We're in! Deploy
0: the gear! He's got nukes. You're the last to on around. The opposition, stand by for defensive fire. Jedi, like my father before me. Ding!
4: Ding! Vex on the field! Attention on deck! This channel is now under military
2: control.
5: It's the spooky season. Indeed it is. I figured, while we're here, we might as well discuss some horror games. And by that you mean ruin the horror games? Well, I have my thoughts on horror, and I think you do too. I do too. So let's get down to the spooky season. I'm your host, Isaiah. I'm Chris. And this is Locked Loop. So, I've been dragged out of the dungeon for the week to talk about how, if you like our content, follow us on social media and like the podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, honestly, the Halloween season isn't for me.
2: I enjoy it, but it's really only to see the fun decorations
5: people do. Yeah, it's interesting, and the traditions that go along with it can be pretty fun. Um, But, I don't know, as far as video games, and gaming as a whole goes, I feel like horror struggles.
2: Yes, it's one of
5: Horror is... And gaming is one of the few mediums that I don't like. I think most of the time... Okay, so I'm going to preface this because this is my... Let's talk about horror movies for a second before we hop into the games. Because I feel like horror movies have their own feel. They're either the slashers, Mm -hmm. jump scares, or psychological horrors. Those The psychological ones are the fun ones. And I think because video games exist as they are... um, Slashers don't work Mm-mm. because we have Mortal Kombat. We have all other slasher games. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as jump scares goes, those exist. But, you know, jump scares are kind of cheap. It's it's like, in the wise words of a comedian, it's like
2: going to a comedy show and them telling a terrible joke. And then they coming over and tickling you and say,
5: ha ha, you left my joke. Yeah. And then psychological horror is a harder one to nail
2: down. It's a harder one to nail down. But when done right, it is one of the best movies.
5: In movies, yes, I feel like the interactive nature of video games kind of limits the horror games. And gonna... It
2: really does because unless you want to put them in like a linear story, which it never re- like sometimes it can be fun. And it's got to be done really right to be able to be fun.
5: Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll talk about a couple different games here. Um, let's start with uh, one of the internet's more favorite ones: Five Nights at Freddy's. That's mainly jump scares. Main, yeah, it is a jump scare game. Um... And it's kind of bare bones, and that that we'll talk about that style of game, mm-hmm. that full on like horror jump scare resource management game.
2: Yeah,
5: um, I don't know, it never worked. I, I played one of them. Um, I know, I know it's kind of like a big internet thing, just because of how much has been covered about the secret lore, whatever. Mm-hmm. Jack crap with that indie game. Um, but I feel like it's a game that has outlived its uh, lifespan.
2: Yeah, it really has, because how many, I think they're, I, I don't know if they're finally done, but I think they'll have, like, six games.
5: Yeah, they have, like, six games, two in VR. We'll talk about VR later, because I think VR's an entirely different animal as yes. far as horror goes. And then the, um, they have books now. <sighs> yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's books. And the problem is, if you have to explain your lore through a book, we have problems. Yeah. You and me both have problems, Cawthon. I'm talking to you. But I don't know. Five Nights at Freddy's never struck me. It never did to me either. Um, you get the cheap jump scares, and that's all it is.
2: Yep, I've never, I have
5: never been a fan of those. That's cheap. Yeah, it, it's a quick scare. It's like, hey, you just want to be afraid, but you don't want that feeling. It's the anticipation leading up to the scare that gets you. Yeah. But I think it runs into problems considering after the first couple jump scares, you stop being afraid. It stops being uh, you, just start, you just start getting annoyed and frustrated at the game because yeah. you can't beat it. Because the game concepts suck. Mm-hmm. And I've beaten the game. I beat two, I think. Or one and two. I beat one and two, and I lost it. I was done. Um, never again. Uh, I don't care about your secret lore. Um,
2: if I want secret lore, I'll go to Destiny. But then I... again, that lore is right out in your face. Yeah.
5: The lore's in your face. It should be. You shouldn't have to hide your lore. If you have to explain your games or have... Theory videos explaining your games—we have problems, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Five Nights at Freddy's just as a whole runs into that problem. It does. Um, there's other games, so let's talk about zombie games.
2: Zombie games. Let's see those. If they're a first-person shooter game, very
5: fun, but not horror. They don't. They because of the nature of shooters and zombie games. It leans away from the horror yeah. they become action games I think the only one that was able to do that like really well is left for dead left for dead that oh, is yes the that... horror games just because of the special enemies yeah that come and and even then it's kind of a cheap jump scare thing,
2: yeah, then again some of them aren't because a lot of them make really loud noises that's a you know the problem able. um
5: and those get you those what put you in the fears the loud noises you know they're there now uh-huh. and even the theme music like i I Left 4 Dead was a good action series. It was a fun cooperative game. Really good ones. Um, while we're talking about Left 4 Dead, we should probably talk about its spiritual successor. Back, for, Back Blood. for Blood.
2: So, I know it's come out. I have not played it yet.
5: I think maybe we should, start, maybe we should play it while we... We will be playing it and reviewing it. Um, I like the idea of it as, spir- as a spiritual successor. Though. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're keeping up with a joke that Valve cannot count to three. <laughs> Valve cannot... I mean, they just skipped over the number entirely, so uh, I think they don't know how to say three. That's also a good option. Uh, I think I think it'll be good if it keeps solid gameplay, improves on it with time. I think Back for Blood should be a solid game. I'm it's on Game Pass, so I might as well download it and play yeah. it. Um, and we'll have a full review of it. But I like the idea of like Left for Dead was done really well as far as a zombie game. Oh yes, um, as far as a horror game, not so much. And I think that's. Uh, that's indicative of most zombie games. Yeah, uh, it's not horror. Truly, um, I played a lot of Dead Island. Uh, Dead Island was very fun. It was a fun game. Um, I, it, I mean, it wasn't a good game, but it was a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> it wasn't horror either. It was uh, a zombie game. No, it was another zombie game, and that's the thought. Like, we see zombies, we think zombie games. Because it's such a common enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, while we're on the topic of zombies, we should probably talk about Resident Evil. Hmm. I have not, not
2: actually had that much experience with Resident
5: Evil. Resident Evil creates an interesting atmosphere depending on the game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. I think it's incongruency incongruencies... I'm going with inconsistencies on that one. Yeah, that's The what... inconsistencies between games and causes problems... Mm-hmm. Um, As far as fear goes and horror elements, like, it keeps that gothic feel for the first couple and kind of runs out of those. Interesting thing.
2: I do know, I saw this really weird thing about how the Resident Evil games are, like, how the storyline's supposed to go. Like, it's supposed to go, like, one, then, like, three is in the storyline, and that's, like, two and four or something like that. Yeah,
5: it jumps around. Um, Like, Resident Evil Village apparently did a good job. Um not an I don't think it did well as horror, but capturing the resident evil feel and I think this things like I think that's what a lot of people look for in the game It's just the feel. Yeah, the feel of the game um creates suspense sometimes. Like but suspense is different from horror. Yeah. Um what is it? My favorite line was an Alfred Ch- one of my favorite lines was an Alfred Hitchcock. Um if you put a bomb under a table and it explodes, you have a thrill. If you put a bomb under a table and tell the audience the bomb will go off in ten minutes, you have ten minutes of suspense. Mm-hmm. I think games, horror games, need to master that approach from uh, suspense to thrill, mm-hmm. um, because like the suspense leads into the thrill. Yep. If you know something's chasing you, and something's after you, and something's coming for you, and you can't act on it not really interesting if you're just hiding for some from something for most of the game it's pure suspense yep but it's not scary um because the natures of video games is isn't the same as movies where you're into the story you're into the characters as a interactive medium
2: yeah it's not i don't feel like it's the best medium for
5: horror no um resident evil tried um and it keeps a good gothic atmosphere Mm -hmm. uh and then you have the cooperative ones. Um, Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. Fun cooperative game. Good cooperative game. Interesting game to play, but not very horror. It keeps the horror f- um, kind of as an aesthetic.
2: Yeah. Um, it's got, like, all the famous horror movie villains and whatnot. Yeah,
5: but it's not scary. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you can't... It's like it's more of the jump scare type stuff. If there is. like, But the jump scare stuff, again, isn't as interesting. And it doesn't create an atmosphere or a perception. I always thought the best horror games, at horror films, were the psychological horror. Yep, 'cause they're the easiest ones cause... they get under your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the issue. You need for horror, you need to be able to get under your player's skin. And I think gaming as a medium struggles with that.
2: Uh, if you want a game that gets under your skin and is really terrifying, Price Might,
5: <laughs> League of Legends. <laughs> The true horror game, League of Legends. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things. I I don't think horror works, except for under very specific circumstances. I agree. Let's talk VR. Oof. VR is another animal in itself when it comes to gaming. So here, this is the one environment where Five Nights at Freddy's really works. Like
2: there are people that have they're emotionally scarred now because of that game in well, VR.
5: Yeah, VR is terrifying because it is a truly immersive experience uh-huh. um with the rotational with the vision you're cut off you feel isolated in those games yeah. and that feeling of isolation is part of what you want in a game and it's not just horror games that thrive in vr i watched the tr- 3d trailer for it no 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 you shouldn't be allowed to do those things to people like <laughs> horror in vr is truly terrifying because of the immersion. Yeah. And I think I think that's part of the issue of why horror doesn't work in video games is the immersion. You can break the immersion super easily, yeah. especially if you stop a game and come back to a game.
2: Yeah. Getting very immersed in a game is one of the that's one of the few ways to actually make a horror game good. Make it so that you it's really hard to stop
5: yeah um I think another issue like with games as a whole uh and the medium uh with it and immersion mm-hmm. is it'll vary from person to person, yeah your level of immersion varies from person to person. Cause some people can just turn off their game, especially with quick resume now, yeah you can turn off your game and come back to it uh I wish there were really good horror games outside of v r that'd be so nice to have like things where you're actually terrified to play um like you have outlast and all of those stuff and the old school like slenderman slenderman and all of those but horror horror in gaming i don't think it works hmm. um horror as an aesthetic though horror as an a-
2: aesthetic works very well
5: yeah in most games yeah horror as an aesthetic is really cool if it's done correctly mm-hmm. because you can change the atmosphere of the game very quickly.
2: I noticed, I do know the one thing that does... The one game that does the horror aesthetic really well, in parts is Far Cry.
5: In parts, yes.
2: Like, it, you walk into a room where... Like, in Far Cry 6, you walk into a room where they've been experimenting on people. And there's just, like, body parts hanging.
5: And chains, and it's all bloody and gross. Gore is a big thing. Yeah. Um, that lends towards the horror aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, if the game
2: is rated T, it's not a good horror game. It's jump scares. It's not a good horror
5: game. <laughs> now, one game that carries a horror aesthetic to it but isn't a horror game: Tomb Raider. Uh, th- one of the new ones. The original new Tomb Raider. The that Tomb one. Raider. Meet I love that Recreation. Game. Um, the feeling of isolation on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aesthetics uh, really lent towards a trying almost a horror feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to go for that aesthetic, and it's really nice. Um. Using horror as an aesthetic also affects your storytelling of games. I do know one game that did horror very, very well. The
2: original Halo. Oh. Halo CE. When you get on and you're discovering the Flood, what you play that game on PC, the music, the anticipation leading up to it, you,
5: like... Your that ski- segment, they they the, keep that horror. They took that horror segment. I think that's that um, that is a really good way to do horror. And yeah. I don't know if we will ever see it again in segments. I think horror works best for video games in segments. You have a horror segment, yeah. Um, because if the entire game is horror, then that's all you are expecting. But if you are playing a the, the thing is sci fi shooter, and all of a sudden you ex- encounter the flood, and you don't know what it is, it's just like. You just see blood everywhere. Yeah. And and then you see the video
2: of some guy getting like just torn apart, torn apart. Like it, it works better in segments. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the thing that I don't like about horror games. Like the way they did it in Halo, you weren't expecting it at all. If you go into a horror game, you're going to expect horror. And you're not going to be as like terrified of it.
5: That's one of the things that I don't like about
2: horror games. <laughs>
5: yeah. You're always expecting the fear. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it lends it to being less scary. As far as horror aesthetics goes, you can't beat Lovecraft. No. He, it's such an iconic aesthetic to things. The Lovecraftian horror has this certain dread to it. Yep. Um, that lends credence to how the game portrays us.
2: I think the, the Cthulhu mythos
5: has this impending sense of doom. Of course. That yeah. you can't run away from. Yeah. It, uh, that's like... That's cosmic horror. Mm-hmm. Then that, That's the brand of cosmic horror. He's just the pioneer of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and before anybody starts talking, we know he was a piece of work. Everybody knows he was a piece <laughs> of work. There's a reason why we're not really bringing it up. It's because everybody knows it. Because nobody knows anything about him other than that he was a piece of work. And he wrote Cthulhu. They call it Cthulhu and stuff. Now... And it just doesn't just lend itself to video games. Like, mm-hmm. um, for instance, how scary are mind flayers? Terrifying. Like, when you're talking about D&D, the mind flayers, which carry that look crafty and feel to them, yeah. are horrifying. Mm-hmm. And that's because the game design was behind it. Um, it's one of the few enemies that we called, and we experienced this earlier, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, they're the, one of the few enemies in D&D that play for keeps. Yep. Um, we experienced that. Well, they experienced that when they were playing d d with me. I think that's another one that lends to fear um, is how many, how much risk you're willing to take. Yeah. Um, Because the more risky activities, save points, checkpoints, are a big deal in games, and kind of spacing those out leads people to being more reserved with their risk-taking. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting off a tangent. We're talking about the Lovecraftian feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... I think as an aesthetic, it works. Yeah, um, I think it works in a lot of different aspects. D anD D does it really well. I think D anD D does a lot of gothic horror really well as well. They that's do, another aesthetic they do a lot to of. of to. Horror in general, pretty well. Well, yeah. Um, like, but that's because the medium is supposed to be immersive. Yeah, and then again, it also depends on the DM. Depends on the DM a lot. On the DM, um, I think. Like, it depends on the DM, and it depends on what kind of game you're planning on running. Yeah. Uh, I think the risk-taking in video games lends to fear as well. Because if you know your checkpoints are more spaced out or you don't know when the next one is, you'll be more scared of death. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why the start of Ark is so scary. <sighs> like, the first night of Ark. Is, yeah. Like, you don't know what's in the jungle. It's almost like your first night of Minecraft. Yeah. After never playing it. You don't know what's out there. Our arc is scary because things do come out in the dark, like mm-hmm. raptors and trudons will come out of the jungle in the dark. So arcs, like the intro, feel like that fear of loss lends a lot towards scariness in games. Yep. We'll talk about the true horror of gaming after we discuss our games of the week.
2: Our games of the week. What What did you do this week?
5: Um. So I played a lot of Far Cry. To be expected. I mean. We're gonna be reviewing the game. Of course I need to be playing Far Cry. So yep. I'm gonna keep that to a minimum. I had fun with it. Um I got Oluso and I'm uh, getting on I'm getting Chikoron. My favorite rooster. His missions are pretty fun. Uh, I also played Legion. I gotta play Legion on Monday. I got to play Legion on Monday. I was really happy to get back to the group to play on Legion. The guys out there are great. Um, the community out there is also great. Yeah. Um, didn't see our friends. Uh, not everybody was there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I got, I played Empire this week. I tried the LAAT. How was it? With Vader. Um, I got tabled, but that's because Empire is weak. Mm-hmm. I think if I was playing a different faction, it would have been, if I was playing the Republic, I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had fun. That's the big thing. Um, so I ran the LAAT, Snowtroopers and, uh a bunch of Shores with mortars and Sniper Strike teams get that 10-axe with Vader. Mm -hmm. Um, I was running up against a pretty strong rebel list with Lando in the truck and uh, Cassian and K2, uh, Hostage Exchange. Uh, I got my Flamer in there real quick. (laughs) Terrified him, but rolled really badly. So I didn't get to kill anybody with that. Vader got in on round two and messed things up before dying in round three. I got a, uh, what was it? I dropped Master of Evil on round three and suppressed his entire group for the rest of the game. Uh, Still lost, just because the truck was pretty strong with Lando and Mm -hmm. all of them. I didn't make them panic, but he had to deal with the fact that every time he'd take a suppression off, I would snipe him to get another (laughs) suppression on there. So I was just playing the suppression game for most of it. Uh, But I had a blast. That was a lot of fun. That that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, What did you play this week? Well,
2: I actually took a break week this week. I did uh, Raid Yesterday and Destiny, and that was pretty much all the games I've played this week, other than D&D last night.
5: Oh, D&D last night. Now, we don't usually talk about our D&D games. Last night was something else, though. Last night, we got I played with Mind Flayers. It
2: was a very fun session, though.
5: It was a blast. Um, and I realized something that uh, Mind Flayers play for keeps. Yep. Uh, we realized that when a player dropped and got his brain extracted, and realized, oh, his brain's not is gone, so you can't revivify him. Yep, uh, raised dead. Nothing short of resurrection will bring him back.
2: Yep, there goes ten thousand gold. But that's pocket change to our wizard, who was the one who died.
5: Yeah, um, squishy wizards up front. Not a good idea. They they tend to get their brain eaten, especially after three rounds of being grappled. I don't know why he didn't break the freaking grapple. I'm still know. annoyed by that. Uh, I don't know What we'll deal with it that later um when he dies the next session as well probably maybe maybe he'll probably be dead for good then yeah the issue is like you guys know that they play for keeps now yep so it's a i think it'll be a lot more scary now because you realize because i definitely said they don't you there's no at this point in the game there's no way for the players to bring each other back again mm-hmm. um it was a one-off thing where we brought that player back the temple doesn't have the ability to do it again uh, we I was very specific about that.
2: Yeah. So, uh, if he dies next session, he's going
5: to be probably dead for good. The fact that we're playing for keeps uh-huh. is going to terrify the party. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big thing. Uh, I'm really am happy about that. As the DM, I'm happy to know that my players are coming into this fight, like, knowing, oh, crap, they play for keeps.
2: The only other thing is, I know a decent bit, of, bit about mine players. They now know that what we're capable of.
5: Yes, because they extracted the brain. They they got all of his memories, all of his skills, all of his secrets. Um, that matters later. So, yeah, mind flayers. If you ever want to mess with your players, give them a mind flayer nest. Yeah. To clear. It doesn't have to be a full on elder brain like I am, but just a small mind flayer nest it might be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Extract inter- some brains. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now for the real horror corporate.
5: No, no. The worst thing in gaming. The most terrifying thing in gaming. The is thing that has brought
2: money. many good game studios to an end.
5: Not just games, like, game, not just game studios. The game franchises. Game franchises, developers, games as a whole. Corporations. Yes. And synergies between corporations. EA! <laughs> yeah, EA is a nightmare of a corporation. Yeah. Um, I don't know how... I know, I get that people in
2: most of the world by fifa because it's one they're the, too
5: big to fail is yeah. the issue. They're too big to just take out. With one boycotting one game won't uh, kill them.
2: Yeah, you got to boycott all of their games. And it really sucks because they make a metric
5: shit ton of games. Well, because they buy game studios, shoot them in the back of their head and rifle through their pockets for IP. And it's not just that. It's not just that. It's the fact that corporate games and Corporations as a whole, their games are lazy. Okay,
2: I will say, you summed up EA in one sentence. Their entire business model, in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason why people will cosplay as EA with a suitcase and a scythe. Yeah, they kill game studios. They kill the best
5: game studios.
2: Like, look at Battlefield before EA took over.
5: DICE is before EA took over. DICE was doing some good stuff.
2: Battlefield 3 is one of the
5: last... It's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um... Plague, not Plague, uh, Pandemic Studios. Developers of a lot of the old Star Wars games. I I want a remastered old Battlefront. What about the developers behind Mass Effect and then Bioware? What did they do to Bioware? Look how they massacred my boy. Look at the piece of work that Mass Effect Andromeda was. Uh, That's the issue. Um, These corporate models won't last in the long run. No. They're very strong right now, but as gamers have so many options right now, maybe we'll just go play different games. Yeah.
2: Um, there, like, there's so many indie studios coming out with better games than AAA game studios.
5: Hades. Yeah. Hades was killer. Um, there's so many indie games that are just beautiful. Yeah. And corporations, I, I think, and I'm, this is what okay. I'm afraid Microsoft is doing. With what? Trying to do what EA is doing? Yeah. EA's model, like they've been pretty good about it so far, about not murdering studios. Uh-huh. But I'm kind of worried about what they do when they pick up a studio that fails.
2: I don't know. I feel like Microsoft has a completely different business model than EA. I was about, to, I was actually about to say the exact similar, similar to what you're saying. Microsoft seems to like their small game studios.
5: Well, they give them more freedom.
2: Yeah, they give them a lot more freedom instead of make this game. Put loot boxes in it so we make shit tons of money, and then you'll be dead.
5: But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll they leave out we'll
2: that, that last. Down. Yeah, then they we'll, we'll leave, leave, leave that last part out.
5: Yeah, I think Microsoft so far has done good things. Mm-hmm. I'm very worried about what they'll do with again games that fa- game studios that are failing. Um, if they fail under the Microsoft umbrella, if they'll just distribute their IP, um, I think that's something to very take a look at: is whether or not Microsoft is going to become an EA. And as somebody who plays Xbox and everything, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying that uh, Microsoft Mi- is, Microsoft is super good and ethical. I'm just saying they're better than EA. That is a very low bar to clear. I mean, they're better than Activision Blizzard as well. Okay. Okay, quick question. Which is worse, EA or Activision Blizzard? EA. Really? I... See, I got arguments that Activision Blizzard is about as bad as EA. That, that's the thing. It's re- you're asking me to
2: find the lesser of two evils.
5: Yeah, and when they're
2: both not that great of companies at all,
5: they're terrible. They make the same games over and over again. They're creatively bankrupt. Yeah, uh, they work their workers to the bone. It's
2: here's the thing: someone comes out with a new new game, new game idea, and it's like this doesn't fit our model. You're fired. And then EA is wondering. EA and Blizzard are going. Where are all of our good game models?
5: Yeah, they all went to indie developers. They all went to gamer game companies that develop creative games. Yeah, that's why we're on what Call of Duty twenty three or something like that. That's <sighs> a lot. Yeah, um, and not to mention they just hop on the bandwagon. Whatever's going on, they hop on it. Why do you think? Uh, why do you think battle royales are so big right now? Yeah, companies are putting the money into it because they saw how well Fortnite did. I I don't. I think that's a very... Like, they're creatively bankrupt. Yep. And that's the issue. Uh, when you don't have any creativity, you just buy up all the creativity and juice out the IPs. Nobody's going to like it. Yeah. I mean, look 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 what at Battlefield. Oh. Battlefield Five was a failure of a game. And we're not getting into the reasons behind that.
2: Uh, no. The other thing is, so Battlefield 24-2, the beta release this week, from what I could tell... It looks like a reskin Battlefield 4. That's almost exactly what it looks like. It's a, it's got a couple of different features like you can customize your weapons on the fly, but that's about it. That's all I noticed.
5: Yeah, I think Battlefield 1, um Battlefield 1, the World War 1 version, um really had something interesting where I think they were given a little bit more creative freedom. I agree with that, but I will say there was too many loot boxes still. Oh yeah. There was still there was, there was a lot of stuff still locked, by. They they got going to make money. That's the issue. They've got to make money, yeah. and that's an issue that res- that is huge in the realm of uh, the cost of games right now. Yeah, like we hundred million dollar games we're talking about here, and so they've got to make back that money. Yeah, um, smaller developers and de- smaller studios can get away with smaller budgets. Yeah, and I think that's a balance that corporations really need to strike. Yeah,
2: they need to strike the balance between you know creativity and. Not charging $60 for a game, so then to have a $10 battle pass, a $60 paid DLC, another $10 battle
5: pass. Yeah, and there's hundreds of problems with it. And I feel like, like we said, the true horror of gaming is corporate greed. How much, other than its dignity, did Nintendo have to pay to get Sora in its game? That is a very good question. That is very very uh when we're talking about smash how much did it cost for sora how much did they pay square enix and disney probably a lot of money um, yeah and when you're throwing around that much budget you can't say you're the good guys no like indie developers they're all right they they make some decent games they're creative the big corporations man i mean seriously the work ethic at these companies are terrible uh the people Who were, the shareholders, the people who run it, are so ethically bankrupt that it's it. The gaming industry is terrifying when you think about it. The fact that it's just dominated by a few giants. Yeah, it it actually really is. So, I feel like being able to split those apart really matter a lot. I mean, we didn't talk about Sony just because I'm pretty sure Sony's got its own skeletons in the closet. Yeah. It's got its own IPs in the few IPs in the shed yeah. rotting away. But I I think EA gets a lot of flack and Activision Blizzard kind of flies under the radar. Even though they have pretty much they have very similar business models. Oh yeah, their business models are pretty similar. Um I mean I'm glad Bungie got away from Activision Blizzard because Bungie would have been dead. Yeah, Bungie would have been dead.
2: Do you do you remember the uh Back when Destiny 2 first released, did you you remember the outrage of the people when they bought the game, $60 game, fresh off the, fresh on, and they had to pay, like, another $60 for a paid DLC? Yeah. I was like, seriously?
5: Like, the greed is the issue. Like, and
2: Bungie still has a little bit of that, but I think Destiny 2 is one of Bungie's few games, if not the only game, that they run right now.
5: Yeah, that they're running right now, it's one of the very few. And they're getting, they're doing pretty well with it. Like, um, it's really funny because people in the like Destiny
2: community, they'll complain about Bungie doing this. And I'm like, you realize Bungie's running like Destiny 1 and 2 right now.
5: That's and, about it. Yeah. They're not working on any other major projects right now, which they should be. Um, I think partnering up. The big thing that I want, I like it when developers partner with each other without their big daddy corporations telling them they have to. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I'm afraid of with the, uh, we know what's going to happen, the next Obsidian Fallout game. We know it's only going to exist because the people at Microsoft got bullied into it and they know their fans want them to play with that IP again, Yeah. which I'm afraid it'll create a creatively bankrupt game.
2: I just fact
5: checked. Bungie's only game right now is Destiny 2. Yeah. So they're only running Destiny which is fine. Like maybe they should start working on some other projects as Destiny. I'm, far- have- I'm
2: fairly sure they've got other projects in the works.
5: Oh yeah, like uh, Destiny's ending the, getting to the end of its lifespan.
2: We've got about four more years. They release a paid they release a paid DLC once a year.
5: Yeah. So we have Witch Queen. Let's see. I think we have a Lightfall and then the Final Shape. So three years, if yeah. that, and then. And then probably another year or two, hi- like year or two, denouement. Yeah, and then they're done. So they're they're planning the end game there. Um, I do feel like, like as far as horror goes, we can't get scarier than real life.
2: No, it's that is the sad truth, honestly.
5: So yeah, I think that's all we've got for this week.
2: It was kind of oh, we forgot to talk about the thing. We forgot to talk about something.
5: We still don't have the RRG for Legion. AMG are the real villains here. (laughs) Oh, actually, no. AMG told us that they had sent it over to uh, Lucasfilm Limited to approve it, and so they're waiting to get back from Lucasfilm Limited to put it up. Oh, okay. So hopefully we'll have it next week. They said by Thanksgiving. (sighs) (laughs) But I'm your host Isaiah. I'm Chris, and we're logging out.
1: With Prime, get light bulbs delivered in a day. Edison would be proud. Indeed, I'm proud. Get your everyday essentials delivered fast. Prime changes everything.
4: Live from a basement in Dubuque, Iowa. For I am Costanza, (laughs) Lord of the Idiots. 30 minutes from the Field of Dreams and 4 hours from the closest professional sports team on the banks of the Mississippi River. It's the Friedman Fantasy Football Show with Matthew Friedman.
0: It's Matt Friedman, the Oracle. Who's the Oracle? He's a fantasy football genius, okay? no wife, no job, just pure football knowledge. He just licked a hot dog. And now, your host, Matthew Friedman. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to my fantasy football show brought to you by Best TV and sponsored by the FTN Network, where you can get all the season-long and daily fantasy and sports betting content you need, including my fantasy football write-ups and all of my NFL size, totals, and player props. Use the highly original promo code FREEDMAN for 20% off of your FTN subscription. That is FREEDMAN for 20% off at FTN. Thanks for checking out the show, subscribe to the best TV channel on YouTube and rate review and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, All right? It is the week eight waiver show in this episode. We're looking at the top running backs and wide receivers on waivers and we're highlighting the top streaming options available at quarterback tight end and defense. First, I want to remind you about the great giveaway we have at FTN where you can win a free trip to Las Vegas for the week 13 game between the Raiders and the Washington football team. It is free to sign up. No purchase necessary. You can win a number of prizes and the grand prize is $5,000 in value and it includes free airfare, hotel, tickets to the game, cash, and more. Click on the link in the show description, show description for more details and to sign up. All right. Producer Tom, Thomas Viola, sidekick on the controls. Connoisseur, pasta, Titan, tomato sauce, Billy Joel, Junkie, and long suffering, Jess Phantom. Waivers. What are we looking at first?
4: We're going to go straight into running backs. Oh, man. Waivers as a whole this week, Matt. It's a tough scene out there. The top it's- running back that we have for you, Kenny G. Kenneth Gainwell is going to be in the lineup here with Miles Sanders out for a few weeks for the Eagles with an ankle injury. He's going to split carries with Boston Scott, and the Eagles don't use running backs all that much anyway but he's the number one running back in an offense. And at this point that's worth a pickup.
0: I cannot emphasize this enough. How unexcited I am about these running backs. We're going to talk about Uh, Gainwell was explosive in college. Uh, He's a rookie who has flashed at times. I liked him as a prospect. And then he went in the fifth round, which means, I mean, I basically have very limited interest in him at this point, but, Tom, as you say, he does look like he's going to be the number one back on his team. Although I will say, like, you should probably also be picking up Boston Scott. And Scott might be cheaper if you're in uh, a fab type of situation. He might be easier to acquire. Um, What Gainwell and Boston Scott, what both of them have going for them this week, is that they're playing the Lions, who are top five in fantasy points allowed to running backs. That's basically it. But, I I mean, eh, come on, come on. This is not great.
4: Next up, it doesn't get much better, Samaje Pirine. Pirine actually had the same amount of touches as Joe Mixon did this week in 12, and he had 75 yards and a touchdown on him. Uh, Seems like they're splitting carries for Mixon right now as he gets back from injury, which is probably wise. And they have a matchup against the Jets.
0: Yeah, Uh, you had me at Jets. Pirine is a good handcuff, and he might have standalone value, especially this week going against the Jets. Uh, And maybe in any given week, if his usage that we saw last week continues into the future. So yeah, he's he's worth picking up uh, as a speculative ad and as someone who maybe you can slot into your starting lineup this week if you're in a pinch. Next up is Brandon
4: Bolden. Billy B is up to his Bellatrix again when it comes to his running back committee. Many expected Ramondre Stevenson to carve out a role as the pass catching back for the Pats, but he was a surprise inactive and Bolden, Went off for 79 yards in a TD.
0: Good to lead the team in receiving. I mean, I can't. I can't even feign excitement about some of these guys. We don't know if Bolden is going to be the receiving back moving forward just as easily as he got the, uh, the lead receiving back role this week. He could lose it next week. And how ridiculous is it to say? It's not like even the lead back. It's the lead receiving back on the team this is such a low value role granted it comes with a relatively high floor because the targets are premium opportunities and so if he does get seven targets in a game that that's you know indicative of a guy who is not going to lose you your week if you have to start him in the flex but he's not going to get seven targets every week you know maybe 3 to 4 is a more realistic projection. But I mean, Hey, we are in the middle of the season and you have to be looking for production somewhere. He has a relatively high floor in an offense that isn't potentially as bad as it seemed like it was at the beginning of the season. I guess that is something I guess.
4: It doesn't get any better because the next running back is on by this week, Kenyon Drake. He's seeing an increased workload. Josh Jacobs has an injury. It appears that Rich Bisaccia, the new head coach, is more partial to him than Peyton Barber. So maybe his production continues?
0: I I don't know. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. Uh, In week six, he played just 12 snaps. Now, granted, he had six touches on those 12 snaps, but just 12 snaps. In week seven, he played 26 snaps, which is still not all that many in the grand scheme of things. He had 14 carries, three targets, A lot of usage on those snaps. That's good. But a lot of it came when the Raiders had a big lead, you know, and Josh Jacobs was out. I don't know. If Jacobs is out for an extended period of time, uh, you know, coming out of the bye week, I still think Peyton Barber has a pretty good chance to be the lead back with Drake continuing to function as a supplementary player. But I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, Peyton Barber was a Gruden favorite. And under a new coaching staff or with a new head coach, at least, maybe Drake gets more run. And Drake certainly is the more talented player. So if you want to be the kind of person who bets on talent versus bets on potential opportunity based on usage we saw in the past, then Drake is the guy to go with.
4: And last but not least, Ty Johnson.
0: He's least. He is least. He is very much least. Yes.
4: Uh, he is the second running back in the Jets' backfield, and he is the receiving back. And Mike White threw 44% of his passes to running backs when he entered the game for Zach Wilson, who's going to be out for a couple weeks. And he also sees what tiny amount of goal line work the Jets actually have. We're, we're scraping the very bottom of the very
0: most bottom barrel. <sighs> um, well, he is getting targets. That's a good thing. He's getting some goal line work. If that ever happens to pop up in a game that the Jets are in. Um, so that makes him more valuable than we would expect out of the number two back in the worst offense in football. Um, So you could do worse in that you could get the number three back in the worst offense in football. So in that perspective, this isn't the worst thing ever.
4: What a ringing endorsement, but honestly, I'll take this isn't the worst thing ever for anything involving the jets right now. Wide receivers, Rashad Bateman is the first one that we have up.
0: Yeah. Bateman, uh, he made his debut a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's had You know, I think a a pretty decent run, uh, given what we've seen out of him so far, working his way back from injury, had six targets uh, two weeks ago, six targets last week. So uh, at least getting steady usage, he didn't do much his first game. But this past week, he had 80 yards receiving. Actually, it looked pretty decent. And I know he's the number two wide receiver behind Marquise Brown, who's had 14 targets or who had 14 targets this past week. Uh, 19 targets over the past two weeks compared to just six and 12 over that th- those two different time spans for Rashad Bateman. But they've had pretty similar yardage totals. Um, Bateman in his first two NFL games has actually been pretty efficient on a per target basis, at least relative to Marquise Brown. You know, that doesn't mean that the volume is going to follow, but it does mean that he's been decent so far. And there's a chance, I mean, I want to say a great chance, but there's a chance that he continues to develop and actually becomes this season the number one wide receiver on that team. And yes, the Ravens did not look good this past weekend, but overall, that is still an offense that you want to have exposure to. And Bateman does have a chance to be the number one guy. And even if he's not the number one guy, he still has a chance to be uh, you know, a volatile playmaking number two receiver in that offense. Uh, I mean, he could overtake Sammy Watkins pretty easily, especially considering Watkins is out right now. So Bateman is someone you want exposure to because of the upside.
4: It also helps that the Ravens are actually passing the ball as, a, as an effective offense now. Yeah, that's always nice for your receivers. Next up, T. Y. Hilton is available in roughly seventy percent of we, leagues and is expected to return from injury for a tasty matchup with Tennessee. Could become Wentz's top target.
0: Yeah, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, you know who he is. Um, He's older. He seemingly always deals with uh, soft tissue injuries, which makes him hard to trust. But he has the upside of being a number one wide receiver within his offense, a high-end, uh, volatile wide receiver three in fantasy, Uh, you know, a guy like that, it's worth taking a chance on, especially if you are desperate and looking for some upside off of waivers. He can provide that.
4: Next up, it's time to reach into the gun safe and pull out the 12-gauge. Russell Gage is back from injury. He hasn't done much in 2021, but this week he finally had four catches for 67 yards and a touchdown on six targets. And the Falcons are airing the ball out with Matt Ryan.
0: Tom? Tom? What, what was that? Was that, please tell me you wrote that. I don't even uh, did. I don't know if I would prefer for you to have written that down or if that just came spur of the moment, which one was it? Spur of the moment. I mean, get 12 gauge was actually
4: Cardell Jones's nickname in college, but still it's Russell gauge. It made sense to me. Took a sh- <laughs> I took a shot from the logo. It didn't go in.
0: Yeah. Uh, taking a shot with your 12 gauge. Okay. Gauge. Uh, hasn't done much in 2021, uh, partially due to injury. Um, but this week he, you know, finally broke through Had you know, breakthrough, whatever. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, he had 67, uh, yards on six targets. That's decent. Uh, I think what he has going for him explicitly is that quarter Patterson is playing more running back right now. Uh, and that's opening up wide receiver snaps and targets for Gage. Um, He's likely to be nothing more than the number three receiving option in any given game. But if you set aside week one, since week two, Matt Ryan has just over 300 passing yards per game. Uh, I, I know a lot was made of Ryan's kind of lack of arm strength and underperformance of that entire Falcons offense in week one. But there are yards to go around through the passing game within that offense. And so having a guy who in any given week has a relatively high floor, uh, you know, let's say six targets per week, uh, and could be the number three receiver in that passing game, uh, that's worth having on your bench.
4: Next up, a uh, known journeyman, Khalif Raymond. He's on like his seventh team in the past six years, I think. Something ridiculous. But he and Jared Goff have actually developed a bit of a connection that is leading to some fantasy production. 15 targets, 12 catches, and 152 yards over the last couple weeks. He's seeing some volume thanks to the fact that there are no other pass catchers for the Lions except Amon Ross St. Brown.
0: Yeah, and and Brown didn't get targeted this past weekend, which was kind of dumbfounding. And I think it was St. Brown's birthday. Like, come on, give the guy a target. But yeah. Raymond right now looks like he's the number one wide receiver for the lions. Again, that could change over the past few weeks. Amon Ross, St. Brown looked like he was the number one wide receiver. So this is a very fluid situation, but what Raymond really has going for him is that he is a big play guy. Like on top of the fact that there aren't other established pass catchers in that offense, what he has going for him is that he is a big play guy. He has 10.2 yards per target for his career. That's a pretty good mark. If he continues to get targets, He could have some really big games. We saw evidence of that this past weekend. So, with the upside and then the usage, or at least the opportunity for usage within that offense, I mean that's that's worth having on your bench.
4: Question for you: Which is the better named Saint Brown, Amon Ra or Aquanemius? Can you say that again? Aquanemius Saint Brown. He is a receiver on the Packers. I. I think it's Equinemius. Equinemius.
0: Look, man, that's that's an
4: SCT word, and it's been a while since, Colin.
0: I uh, I don't know. I, I mean, Equinemius is, uh, I think, a little more unusual, although Amon Ra is certainly also unusual. One thing uh, that is kind of cool about these guys, their uh, their father's last name was just Brown, and he gave them the same Brown to church it up. So That's like fantastic. really, really to make it special. Yeah. Just the
4: names weren't enough. You had to add that Saint in there. Exactly. All right. Michael Gallup suffered a calf injury in the Cowboys opener, but he's expected to at least return to practice this week. A lot of mouths to feed on the Cowboys offense, but it's not like you don't want a piece of it.
0: Yeah. Since 2019 Gallup has been almost as productive as Amari Cooper in the games with uh quarterback Dak Prescott on the field. So he's an upside play who offers some standalone value. And if one of the other wide receivers in front of him happens to get injured, then almost immediately he would be, I think, a high end wide receiver three at worst, and probably a wide receiver two. So if he's available in white and on waivers, you should definitely pick him up. Some streaming
4: targets here for you at quarterback. The March of Dimes has actually been successful this season. Daniel Jones is starting to look like a quarterback that can put up some yards and is starting to reduce the turnovers. He comes into a matchup with the Chiefs defense, which as FTN's Derek Brown puts it, is doo-doo butter. Daniel Jones has been fairly statistically good this season, and now apparently he is also a renowned receiver. Worth a pickup for streamers.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, he's historically been best as a road dog. Just one of those quirks. Um, and as you mentioned, the Chiefs are doo-doo butter. They are second in the league in most fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. You, you couldn't really ask for a better setup. Uh, so Daniel Jones, I, I don't know. If if you are in a, uh, a doo-doo butter hole, Daniel Jones is someone who can help dig you out of that.
4: I think that's the tweet of the week right there, Matt. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the Twitter clip. That sounds horrible. I do not want that posted. All right. CJ Uzoma is the tight end we're looking at. He's a a lottery ticket. He averages 2.7 targets a game, but he's made some big plays, and he certainly had a lot of them racking up 25 fantasy points last week. And this week, the magic words, he plays the Jets.
0: Yes. If Ricky Seals Jones is unavailable, then Uzoma is fine. Right? He's the guy you'd probably go to next. He plays in a good offense that could have a really nice game against the Jets, even if the volume isn't there. Uh, you know, high end end into which in a streaming situation is probably good enough.
4: And last but not least, defense. Take a wild guess. We're going right back to it.
0: Try and pick up the Bengals because they play the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are the worst offense in the league. And now they are starting a backup quarterback. <laughs> I mean, and I should just say the Bengals. I mean, I haven't really given much credence to the idea that this defense is good because, because it doesn't really have any like big name playmakers, but the defense certainly isn't bad at, at worst, the Bengals defense is league average and they're stringing some performances together. That would make you believe, you know, they are on the fringe of being a top 10 unit. So top 10 unit going against the worst offense in the league, starting a backup quarterback. Yeah, they're easily in the top eight. And I I should say like really in the top five. I think the question is just like, are they the number two? Are they the number three defense overall in the rankings this week? But they are certainly near the top of the board.
4: Not only, by the way, is the Jets' offense the worst in the league, but the defense has now given up three straight games of 450 or 500 or more yards. Everything is bad about this team now, Matt.
0: Yep. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better, Tom. Just enjoy hey, the A-E-T-S, ride.
4: Hey, just end the season.
0: Yes. Remember, All right. there's, there's always room to be a Cowboys fan. I can't do it.
4: I can't do it. I just... I I just want them to fold the franchise so I can move on. There was a life where I could have been a Packers fan, Matt. There was an alternate universe where I did that.
0: All right. It it still could happen. It still could happen, Tom.
4: I feel like it can't. I feel like my fate is sealed. Okay. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the show today. Those are the waiver wire pickups on a very barren week. Where can people find all the great content you're putting out?
0: You can find all of the work at FTN on Friday. I published the fantasy football breakdown on Thursday. I published the best bets article on Tuesday. I published the fantasy football rankings, which I update on Thursday, Saturday and Sunday all throughout the week in the FTN bet tracker. I'm putting my NFL sides, totals and player props. Also my NBA player props and on Twitter, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app and on FTN, you can get daily episodes, of the Freedman Fantasy Football Show and the Degenerate Sports Betting Show, and use the promo code Friedman for 20% off at FTN. All right, that is the show. You can find me and Tommy B on Twitter at Matt F. The Oracle and TV at work. Thanks for joining us and see you next
1: with Prime. Get light bulbs delivered in a day. Edison would be proud. Indeed, I'm proud. Get your everyday essentials delivered fast. Climb changes everything.
2: Millions of Americans are getting back to work. CareerBuilder calls it the great rehire. And we want to help you get the best jobs before everyone else. CareerBuilder gives you the competitive edge to get the job you want, at the salary you want, with the benefits you want. We even send job alerts, so your perfect job lands right in your inbox go to careerbuilder.com
1: today or get left with whatever jobs are left find your next job
4: fast at careerbuilder.com
3: if you enjoyed this episode please leave us
2: a review on itunes